time of Reagan, and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. So, Casey, Mike, I just want to say that I absolutely love how in a movie about a genetically perfect polymath created in a government lab, that the most unrealistic thing in this movie is that they found a gas station t-shirt that fit Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) I don't know. You just have to remember the first rule in the crisis situation, right? (laughs) What is the first rule? Go to the gas station to get clothes. So, yes, of course, we are talking about, from the year 1988, Twins, directed by the man behind countless 1980s comedy classics, Ivan Reitman, director of Meatballs, Stripes, Dave, as well as a trilogy of comedies starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. This, this is the first of the trilogy. First too. of the trilogy. This is yeah. why there are two more movies. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the other, including this film, Kindergarten Cop and Junior, from a screenplay co-written by two writing teams, the first one being Will Davies and William Osborne, who gave us the cinematic juggernaut Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, <laughs> and co-written by the other team of Timothy Harris and Herschel Weingrod, who wrote together Trading Places, Falling Down, Brewster's Millions, My Stepmother is an Alien, and Space Jam. Whoa! Dang. That, that's some bona fides. That, that is. Yeah, that's a resume. That's a CV. <laughs> so, yeah. Casey, if you had to sum up the plot to this movie in a paragraph or two, what is Twins all about? Two fraternal twins separated at birth that were the result of a scientific experiment to make the perfect human. When Julius, played by Arnold, it turns 35, he learns of his brother's existence and makes his way to Los Angeles to find Vincent, his brother, played by Danny DeVito, and discovers that not only he's not an identical twin, but he's instead a criminal, a criminal, a philanderer, and a cheat. And hijinks ensue as Julius tries to convince Vincent to go on a quest to find their fathers and mother. And that's about it. I also want to say, in the in the uh, as far as the credits are concerned, as far as the personnel, the DP of this movie is Andrzej Bart Bartkovink. Bartkovink, yes, is and, and he is a. a Polish cinematographer who worked with like John Huston, William Friedkin, Sidney Lumet, like James L. Brooks, and he's the guy who was the cinematographer for Speed. Mm. So fucking <laughs> okay. amazing, amazing. And then later he would go on to direct, and he did like Romeo Must Die and Cradle to the Grave, and here here he is, the director of Doom 2005, which is the best video game movie <laughs> ever. Doom, right? It's the only time The Rock has ever been a bad guy. Oh, except in WWE. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anyways, technically it, a bad guy in Voyager. I think so. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Okay. Barkoviak, Andre Barkoviak. So you're already hearing his voice, but we are joined by longtime returning guest, friend of the show, and the station manager of KTQA 95.3 FM in Tacoma, Mr. Sam Mulvey. Welcome back, Sam. I am very happy to be here. Yeah. Yes. This has been a long time coming. Yes, it has. We've had a, we've had a schedule and reschedule a lot for this one. It's it's been a rough year. Yeah. And I'm 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 really glad to be sitting in the seat. <laughs> We're glad to have you back, Sam. So if you 
what do you think of Twins? I love how it pays attention to the rules of cinema. I mean, it's really, <laughs> it's really, it it really understands its medium specifically by opening your movie with a shot of the Jack Lalane jizz juicer. <laughs> yes. yes. So just, just oh, good. I, I. All right, that's a Caligula level of spoo right there. Uh, that is a milking machine. <laughs> yeah. That is. This, Did they hook up all seven guys at the same time? This movie, this movie, yes, yeah, starts <laughs> off with we have to see a big jug full of semen. <laughs> that's the, this is the family friendly movie. Here's the thing: I saw this in the theater in 1988. Sure, I was ten, <laughs> and I'm seeing, I'm opening this up. This movie, we're starting this movie. I'm watching it, and it just focuses on the on the the. the it's the, like a flask. The stainless steel flashlight and the flask of of of. It's it's like spoo. it's like the ooze that makes the Ninja Turtles, right? right? Yeah. It's like some kind of radioactive substance made out of a bunch of sperm. And it's like I completely missed that when I was a kid. I'm not even going to try to figure out how this experiment works. Right. Um, I, as far as I know, and I'm not a doctor, uh, only one sperm can uh, fertilize an egg, even if you mix them all together. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure how this works, but the idea is they found like. The smartest and the the most physically fit they found to try to build the perfect man. It's a government experiment, and I just got to ask you guys: Doesn't this feel a little bit German to you guys? <laughs> yes. Right? No, I that actually we, we actually had this conversation while I was I watched it with Becky, who uh, you all know, and my nephew, who you don't, because he's in town for camp, and uh, and, and so we're watching this and like I saw. How old are these guys? And Becky's like 35. All right, so that'd been the 50. Like, oh boy. Are you sure this is US led? Right. Or is this some Operation Paperclip bullshit right, going right. on a, right this here? This is absolutely the, Operation the, Paperclip. The, the master race, the search for the master race never okay. stopped. Where do you think Arnold's accent comes from? The scientist who raised him. Yeah. It's. <laughs> And the thing is, I had to stop this movie halfway through. Doing the math. <laughs> and explain to my nephew what Operation Paperclip was. Oh. And and what it, you know, and it's like, you know, that's when, you know, we went in for the Nazi scientists. We said, oh, yeah, these are special Nazis that we need for our kind of fascisty looking things. And gonna, <laughs> we're going to help them build weapons of mass destruction and you know, get us into space, I guess. <laughs> and and it, it, was my nephew taught this in school? Uh, Probably course, not. This is the first time he's hearing about it. Probably he's watching not. Twins. Well, I've, I've so that's his. That, that's that's. I have fundamentally changed his life with this movie. I, all oh, right, I have to say, that's not our first with, and last collaboration with, with fascists. <laughs> sci-fi premises, though, involving Nazi scientists and stuff. I mean, this is like a universal trope. Oh, sure. That uh, that by the time you reach the late '80s, it can be like a hilarious haha thing. It and, can be a knowing wink and a nod. Right. And it was super obvious. Like in the cut and the way they were doing it, like when they had the seven fathers all doing like, like running on and, treadmills. And like, like, it is all white people in that room. <laughs> it is just white people in that room. Wow, that was it. There was there. You didn't notice that there was a sign above the door that said "Jews need not apply." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You missed all that stuff. <laughs> it is 1953. Yeah, um, but the thing I got this is, what is this for? Because this is the question <laughs> that. 
it just it begs it begs that question. I, it's, he's what got, is this for? He what has we... to be the Antichrist. It's right. Am yeah. I saying yeah. he's the perfect man to come to lead the world? Shit, I think that's literally how they they do the Antichrist thing in the Left Behind novels. Oh, is that's, it? I think it's literally how they build. The they build the them in a lab. Yeah. yeah, that's also how they made uh, Serpentor on GI Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but this idea that okay, you you're trying to create the perfect man, and it's the United States government during the Cold War. What the fuck else do you think it's for? He's, he's perfect right. mentally, physically, it's, and spiritually. They are building a murder machine. That they're is building con. Yes. yes. <laughs> they're building con. Yeah. And I just say, okay, what? And I just go, what the fuck is happening here? And I just go, okay, I'm going to put the pieces together that are on, on the table in this movie. Arnold was told that his mother died at birth. The mother was told that Arnold died at birth. Nobody knew except for the scientist that Danny DeVito existed. Right. So... What happened here? And my, I have a headcanon here, and I've been developing something that Uh-oh, I could only call the Julius Benedict multiverse problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it, this thing has totally dominated my brain for probably the last two weeks. We have a German scientist who has taken Arnold to a paradise island to be raised in... 300 miles south-southwest of Fiji? Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah okay. So he has had a perfect life. He's learned about the world through books. Uh, he knows judo. He speaks 12 languages. Uh, he reads philosophy and literature and mathematics. He's like the, the height of physical perfection. Yeah. But he's not killing people. Right. And his mother thinks he's dead. The uh, he thinks his mother is dead, and I can only think that this is a moment where the scientist Werner, who took him there, faked his death and fled with him when he realized the terrible purpose for which Julius Benedict had been created, <laughs> <laughs> and that they have been in hiding for the past thirty-five years. That Werner, thinking that this is finally a, a time to atone for the atrocities that he has participated in, that he has enabled. <laughs> Thinks that he's free, and when he realizes what what Julius is intended for, runs. But in another universe, the this this escape didn't happen. Werner is killed. Um, Julius is taken back into the program and spends the next twenty years killing the leaders of Latin American republics, <laughs> union yes. bosses, and probably a lot of nuns. Jeez. And he's given a different name by his government handlers. John, John Matrix. Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Same guy, different universe. Same guy. Oh, wow. However, Danny DeVito's life, pretty much the same in both <laughs> yes. universes. Except he gets beaten up more by the Klain brothers. Right. Yeah. His his that that's probably where his life isn't the same because his life ends. Yeah. Fairly soon after the after In some day. parking garage somewhere, he ends yeah. buried, never found. Right. Yeah. So in some park in the foundation of some parking garage. This is a movie that I, I think is pretty incredible because it was Arnold's first attempt at a comedy, and I think he was a little scared to do this. I yes. think he was desperate to do this because he wanted to prove he was more than just action guy. And it's a reason why whenever he's done a comedy since, with the exception of like Jingle All the Way. If he's done a comedy, it's been with Ivan Reitman. He trusts Ivan Reitman. Right. Mm-hmm. And you look at the the premise of this comedy, it's like, oh my God, can you even imagine that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are twin brothers? <laughs> there's like there's opposites. He's a grouchy, wisecracking guy. He's like a big, naive, wonderful, uh, pure guy from out of town who doesn't know the world. Hijinks ensue. Right. 
And there are so many opportunities in a story like that with Arnold in that role for Arnold to come out looking like a buffoon. Mm-hmm. Right. To right. to look to be played as a sap, to be played as stupid. And they don't do that. They don't do that. And in fact, they make something that is shockingly one of the most wholesome movies that I have seen in a very long time. And I can say, given the state of the world, it's on fire. Given this my mental state, not great lately. I really needed this movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I certainly had, uh, in watching it, I had like, I I don't think it's a particularly great movie. I don't think it's a particularly well put together movie. I think it, I, I had completely forgot. I, the last time we watched this is when we did our Arnold panel, which was, I don't know, seven years ago, maybe, when we did our full Arnold panel. panel and I watched it. I had completely forgot that there was a, subplot about a stolen experimental engine and a hitman. I was like, that was in this movie? Right. Oh, I thought it was just about Danny DeVito running around trying to bang chicks. The fact that it's got two writers make this that plot, the plot of this movie makes a little bit more sense. Right, right. Because the A and B plot are practically in different universes. Right. It, 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 it makes sense if it's like, oh, well, uh, we, we're, we've got this idea for a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, we better put some elements in it where it's going to have action and bad guys and eventually he gets he gets to kick people's asses. It's kind of amazing how much is in this movie because you look at the premise and you go, okay, this feels like a movie that's going to run out of gas within 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, like you watch a Saturday Night Live sketch that has a 30 second joke that goes for five minutes. Yes. This feels like it would be that the movie. Right. That it's like, it's so funny. Look how opposite they are. But after 20 minutes, you're like, you're running out of things to do. The novelty has gone dry. What do you do? But there's like five plots in this movie, mm-hmm. and all of them work pretty fucking well. I don't think there's eh. anything I really... I mean, you have Danny DeVito having his own little universe of things. Arnold has his own universe of things. They have shared goals. They have goals that are different. They get pulled in these different directions, and I never feel the movie feels too crowded. I, I, I'll i say that Danny DeVito is incredible in this movie. It's like yes. the, It's like he has to be the glue to keep the whole thing together, right? Because he has to be the one to juggle the like, oh, can I believe this guy's my brother plot with the, oh, something I did something stupid and I've invited all this danger in my life that I'm at the center of. His performance has to control both of those things. Because honestly, every time that Arnold is involved with it, it's just him walking into a scene and helping him resolve it, right? Like Like the hitman come in or whatever and he like... He kicks their asses or something. Danny DeVito's performance is the glue that holds it together. I really love DeVito in this movie. I think that one of the things I love about him is that this would be so easy to make a movie where everyone has exactly one layer. But there's this wholesome, vulnerable layer that they let out of all of the characters at some point in the movie. And Danny DeVito does it probably just incredibly, which is that he's a guy who's wisecracking. He's cynical. He's the lowest form of grifter. Where he was it? I looked at the Se- front door. Selling, of- he's selling socks, but he's also a professional athlete agent. All all of his furniture <laughs> in his fr- in his front room is all is like excess lawn furniture. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean the front door of his office it says sports agent, artist representative, import export, automobile sales, rental leasing, wholesale patio furniture. <laughs> yeah, and he's selling stolen socks at at a store and getting thrown out. Right. Um. He's always you know falling in and out of bed with someone else's wife life he's uh my god he's stealing cars from the long-term parking at the airport collaborating with our good friend david caruso <laughs> yeah that, like, back he was like david caruso and I'm like, no oh yeah i'm so sorry weird. david can you can't top david caruso's kit kat and and uh hudson hawk though kit kat <laughs> is fucking amazing sorry but yeah, I best just, caruso performance hands down but i just i love that it's like 
he's got all of these irons in the fire, all of these crooked grifts going on, and none of them are successful enough that he does just one of them. So he's got a bunch of things going. He owes a lot of money. And including to a loan shark who the Klein brothers who seemingly like the Beagle Boys have this <laughs> inexhaustible like menagerie of beefy relatives yeah, to show up to break their benches. Their bench is real long. Yeah, <laughs> yes. including our good friend and I guess patron saint of the podcast Sven Oli Thorson. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't look like he could be an Italian, right? But are they supposed to be Italians? They're clean. I think they're just whatever. They're they're, yeah. they're big is what they are. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, it's just a bunch of character actors, and I kind of love the fact that is, this is, is they, like the six. Is this or from the same fam same family that produces Andor from the Final Fight series? No, Andor, Andor Junior, Andor Clean, Andor, Andor Senior. <laughs> But I, I just, I kind of love that the thing that makes Danny DeVito shine is that you can do a movie about a. a I mean, there's a spectrum of criminal, mm -hmm. of respectable, where even if you're not a, crime, a criminal yourself, even if you detest crime, there's something alluring about the gentleman jewel thief. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, however, is the low-rent grifter, and that's where Danny DeVito is. I was expecting a reprise uh, when, when I was watching this movie again, mm -hmm. and I had bar barely any memory. It was like a recovered memory when I was watching this movie again. It's like I'm suddenly I'm 10 years old again. And my parents are laughing at jokes I don't understand, and it's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and but I was expecting a reprise of his character from Taxi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's not what I got. Mm -hmm. And it's a it, 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 all the depth in I I did not enjoy this movie as much as you did, mm -hmm. but all of the depth in this movie is Danny DeVito. Mm -hmm. Like he provides all of the emotional depth in this movie. He, he he you could almost see him guiding Schwarzenegger in some of these scenes and it's not, but it's not just it's not just that yes um he needs to he needs to be the funny one and Arnold Schwarzenegger needs to be the straight man and then he needs to Arnold Schwarzenegger says it was the pavement was his enemy right, right. To, to be to do that for Danny DeVito it's also um he since this is a comedy you can tell that uh, there's so many things that were just like complete ad libs for for Danny DeVito like the mm -hmm. him seeing tonight is your night bro there's no way that was in the script that was just probably something they f they fucked with and came up with and became a th a gag for the whole thing because how do you sell the idea of like he's getting excited for his brother to lose his virginity which is such a weird thing to put in a script but it's like obviously it's the it's the com the comedic chops of like the things that he does like oh the five million dollars. He gets exasperated when he learns he's going to be reaping five million dollars. Five for million dollars. Five million right? bucks. And he kind of like loses. He kind of loses his voice and yeah. does all this sort of stuff. There's just a lot, a lot that he's doing to make this an actual com a comedic performance instead of something that's really flat and sitcommy. Yeah, know? and the thing that I love is underneath all of that, there's this vulnerability that his character has, mm -hmm. and it's these moments where you realize the motivation he has as a character comes from the fact that he has been hurt and abandoned his whole life, that he's learned that the only person he can rely on is himself. Everyone else is either someone out to victimize him or they're a sucker. And he rejects the idea of unconditional love. He rejects any kind of love or be loved relationship with anybody, even his girlfriend. Right. And Arnold is just so goddamn persistent. And you see these moments where he gets this little bit of hope that maybe... His parents didn't abandon him. Maybe his mom is still alive. And you see him 
this he looks like such a wounded puppy in these moments and then you see him shut it down and the minute it looks like it may be a scam he gets so angry yeah, yeah. like i fell for it again and you get the impression that his life has been this periodic moment that pops up where he thinks that maybe things are going to get better maybe he can have a life the way other people do and then it all turns out to be a scam mm -hmm. and he's hurt by it again and you see the way it, it it wounds him and that's the stuff that i think makes this movie really work yeah there's a there is a heart there is certainly a heart to this movie the that inner if it if Arnold Schwarzenegger were, were not as it were in his like 1978 version of Arnold Schwarzenegger where he can barely act and barely right. talk this would not have been able to work but this is showing that he's now at this point where um he can do he can do predator and that's going to be and predator is going to be fucking amazing he's now he's now bridge crossing over and saying um oh i i i can do these reaction shots so think about how many great like reaction shots in the face that you get for Arnold the thing that i love the most was the the set piece of him going into so the first time they meet is in jail like mm -hmm. talking to each other across the, the 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 glass and you don't hear you just see um Arnold Schwarzenegger looking at all the inmates coming in and there's a guy who looks huge and muscular who he thinks probably is his twin and then Danny DeVito comes and sits down and all of the you could all of these things end up happening in his performance where he's like he's like crestfallen disappointed he doesn't understand what's happening he goes by and asks is that uh, you know is that Vincent uh you've got him and then Arnold Schwarzenegger does this thing where you're not even hearing what he's saying for the first bit you are starting to understand how excited he is and how interested he is and what he, how he wants to communicate. And you're not hearing any of the words. You're seeing it on his face. He's on the other side of the right. glass and he it's, doesn't understand that you're supposed to take the right. phone He's having down. a whole dialogue right. with himself. It's, it's this really yeah. good bit of physical acting. And he just like, he just, he's disappointed. He doesn't understand. Yeah. And then you just see him like, oh, just, fucking rally i'm right. gonna I'm, I'm working with this. It, it there's a there's there was just lots of different modes that he's attenuating for that particular scene that says like this is obviously th this was like the magic moment for arnold schwarzenegger mm -hmm. right he was just right to be able to cross over and plug into that role because he can be the the ah shucks fish out of water guy the crocodile dundee you know but it's not like the whole movie is carrying him either that's no. the thing that i think he's really good at i think this is him really finding something because He's got an infectious enthusiasm in this movie. His right. sense of joy and wonder at things. He's so happy. Like there's a bit at the end of the movie where, you know, he stole that like car with the longhorns on the front to rescue his brother. And he comes back and he talks about how he returned it. And he goes, he was a cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> and he looks so happy to have met a cowboy. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> and those little things where he's like, I've never heard music like this before. And it doesn't feel like somebody pretending to be happy or excited. Arnold seems genuinely like he's like beaming in these moments where I, I have talked about this before, but Arnold Schwarzenegger's secret weapon has always been his smile. Mm -hmm. It's because when he does it, it never feels put upon. It never feels like he's mimicking the behavior of other humans that are feeling something. It, it always feels incredibly sincere. It feels authentic and it feels a little dorky, which is what makes right. it work. Right. Maybe it's that he's got the little bit of the gap in his teeth, and he just seems like he's so thrilled. Like like the beginning when he finds out he has a brother, and he's gonna get on a fucking rowboat <laughs> and row twenty seven miles to the nearest airport <laughs> off the island. The rowboat with the clearly hidden engine underneath. It's the popping a wheelie. The Zodiac, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, you, I, you can see the, the, the wake behind it. Yeah, it that clearly has an engine. When he's the That's last the thing, joke. 
the last thing he says to the scientist before leaving is, he's probably just like me. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such glee in his voice. And I think that was the, the, the real sell for this movie is, you, is you've seen him in, in you know, Terminator, Commando. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not real clear. Predator on the, at this pre- point. Predator at this point. Yeah. And he's, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Right? He's this really humorless badass in all this movie in all these movies and that was definitely the selling point when I was a kid is here he is being this huge goof for 90 minutes he is so fucking huggable in this movie yeah yeah, um, it's, it is. It's it is incredible that that he. It's just what we were. I think we do. We have a discussion about Dave Batista and um, Knock at the Cabin. A little bit, of, yeah. Like, where where the the kind of the genius of the, that performance was how fucking scary and intimidating Dave Batista as a person looks and. The way they flip it around and by making him being this gentle soul, right, who has to come and do something terrible and has to convince you of his motives. It's the same thing here as they do that inversion where it's like this guy looks like he should be he should be one of the punks robbing people on the side of the road. But he's the opposite of that. Right. Yeah. He's just the sweetest goddamn person. I mean, everything is pure, wholesome joy and it never feels put on. It never feels like he's making fun of that kind of thing in his performance. It feels, in a lot of ways, like the performance that Andre the Giant has in The Princess Bride. Sure, sure, sure. It just feels so real to the point that you've just created a whole legion of new fans for this actor who primarily know him as Julius Benedict. Right. And who don't know anything else about, you know, Predator and Conan the Barbarian. But they love him from this because he seems so sweet. And I I think this is a home run in terms of him expanding himself into a whole different kind of movie. Because this is not a guy saying, I lied and dropping somebody off a cliff. Um, this is him picking up his brother and hugging him and just being so excited that he has a family. Right. I mean, uh, to say nothing of the fact that this was his first big box office success. I mean, he got he got points on the movie and rent rentals on the box office receipts and rentals. Him really? and DeVito did. Yeah, yeah apparently um, him and DeVito turned down a standard salary in right. exchange for like 40% of like rentals and, and box so office. So this movie Dang. made like something of north of $200 million yeah. in 80s movies and their checks must have been enormous. Mm. This was Arnold Schwarzenegger's biggest movie up until that point. Um, wow. Because Terminator and Conan the Barbarian were, were not all ages family films, right? Right, they, right. They probably did. They probably did well in in uh, the times that they were at, but nothing on the order of like two hundred million dollars at the box office. But at the same time, you know, he's this big sweet guy. But we still have that physical Arnold that we right. see in all those other movies, where he has that kind of nebulously defined superhuman strength that you get in other movies where he could flip over a car if you needed him to. Like there's a scene in this movie where he is just the almost like an alien landing on Earth for the first time. And this This like, is when he arrives from his boat with the hidden engine, right? Yes. He takes his Zodiac with the hidden engine to LA from Fiji. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then there are two hidden engines in this movie. Right. One's in the back of a car, and the other's on the Zodiac. Right, <laughs> so. and and yeah, and then uh, he goes immediately from a beach on Fiji to a sex shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, he's yeah, outside. He's he just dropped off in Hollywood. Yeah. He's just—he's right. never seen this sort of stuff. He's never heard right. rock and roll music before. He's never—he's like and. This oh and on the oh wait there was a plane involved right there was yeah. a plane involved yes and on the plane yak. he's yak. singing the yakety yak he's staring directly uh, at, at at the breasts of the flight attendant because this is the eighties no because this is uh, also this is like uh, a movie that we talked about before who actually is in this movie Willow there's mm-hmm. the premiere of Willow at the Grauman's Chinese Theater oh yeah um, this is a 
horny movie. This, this movie is, is super so horny. horny. Yeah. I it's, mean, you start off with semen, of course. The whole thing starts off with semen, and there's an entire like I would say the A plot of this movie is about Arnold Schwarzenegger getting laid for the first time. Yeah, and the number of times Danny Danny DeVito is ta- talks about betting women or, or is horny or something like that. It's got a number north of the, a dozen, probably. Right. I that's, think his, the, that's his goal in life. Is, I really think that Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's innocence really cuts that and makes sure. this movie. It manages to make it not creepy with all of how I can't it agree. Is. I cannot agree. It it creeped me out in some places. Uh, I mean, like you have the you have the bicep bicep ripping the sleeve as a like an erection thing. Yeah, right? like all of this. This sort of, there's there's lots of stuff that clearly went way over my head when i had seen it and i'm Absolutely. like there's a this is there's a lot of sexiness for uh for something that is ostensibly a family movie i do love I, it probably was also an ad-libbed scene the scene at the where they get arnold the t-shirt at the gas station where he takes his shirt off and danny devito is teasing him about his physique and he's like <laughs> oh my god julius are you okay are you allergic to something here are all these bumps all over your body and, it, and he just laughs it off and he says your back is even worse it looks like north dakota <laughs> and it's so weird with with all the, it, it was we actually becky and i commented on that scene when it came out it's like this is we, we kind of enjoyed that bit and it's like this is oddly placed with all the gay panic in the rest there, of the movie there is definitely some gay panic at the beginning when they're going out of the walking out of the police station and he tries to hug him and he's like no hugs or something it continues like throughout the scene it, it, like it, there's little drops of it throughout the whole movie like one of the scenes that I think that doesn't work, the learning to dance scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, well, nobody's looking in the window, so I guess we can do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that's that's rote 80s. It's it's very 80s. And yeah. it was the 80s stuff that creeped me out a little bit. Yeah. Mm. I can see yeah. that. But uh, anyways, he's in front of a sex shop. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just going to have go. a hard Keep, cut. Yep. That's um, fine. But uh, he's in front, and this guy comes up asking for a light. But clearly, this is like the lookout guy who's who says, "Oh, this guy's fresh meat." And then the guy on the dirt bike just rides by at full speed and tries to grab his his Arnold suitcase, grabs it. But Arnold is so strong that even his casual grip on this thing pulls the dude full off of his motorcycle and slams him on the ground. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the guy's just, oh my God, what do you do? I just love, not the, uh, I did not think the pavement was his enemy. <laughs> um, I, I fucking love That's it. That's the best joke of the movie. I it, think. It, it's pretty yeah. good. And he just he checks the guy out. Oh, mild concussion. And he's like, I will carry him to the hospital. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's just, he's such a boy scout. And I think that's what I, I love about it. Um, I mean, he is an absolute judo master. Every time one of the Klein brothers tries to step up on him, even pulling out a fucking fire axe, which, <laughs> yes. which I had forgotten about. I did too. Um, I I love it. I, I love the, the relationship that evolves between him and Danny DeVito, where Danny DeVito th- first sees him as just a rube I can talk into getting me out of jail by paying my bail and getting me my car. And then sees him as like, oh, this guy's useful. He could beat up guys who come looking for... <laughs> Come looking for money or probably a lot of angry husbands. And over time, you see him get worn down. Yeah. That Arnold is just so persistent in saying, no, you're my brother and therefore I won't let anyone hurt you. And I love you and I don't care. Um, yeah. And it's just there's probably the moment I really love is when he, they think they're going to go see their mother for the first time. And he's talking to Danny DeVito, says we can be a family. You know, you filled the hole in my life and I filled the hole in yours. And when we meet our mom, we can fill the hole in her life. And Danny DeVito, you see him, you see the cynicism fall away and we can have like Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas. And, 
And and he goes, yeah, there'll be a home where you're always welcome. And you see Danny DeVito kind of like have that 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 look, a skeptical look on his face. And Arnold says, even when you've been bad, mm. yeah, yeah, right. that whole plot line, like every time that that plot would appear in the movie, those were by far the best parts of the movie. Like when uh, in the early part of the movie. Like right, this 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 scene we've referenced with Danny DeVito like realizing that he can have a family and he doesn't have to be on the defense with everyone he talks to, like that's like that is the pivotal scene in this. But then there's this scene earlier in the movie where he goes over his files, and he and Vincent shows Julius, yeah, that's the right direction, uh, the letter <laughs> about um about about his mother, and then right. you see this emotional turn in in Julius, and and like he has an emotional vulnerability moment. And and it's them bonding over that, mm-hmm. and then and then Julius does something that he hadn't done before in this movie, kind of taking a page from Vincent, and he just goes off on his own right. and meets this guy, right? And like, but it was this really emotionally strong moment, and then it's sort of mirrored with that let with that really emotionally strong moment later on when Vincent realizes that he can have a family. And, I really like that. And the best part about it is, is I, I feel like it's easy, it's very easy to make these make those things like sitcom sappy sort of moments. And I think that the the genius of Ivan Reitman and how well he works with his actors and the strength of Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger make that they sell that so well together. I mean that's that's I think what really why this movie works dramatically is because they they can have that heart. They can share that heart, and it does not feel, you know, doesn't feel too syrupy. This yeah. movie could have been such a disaster. That I really think it's the strength of the individual pieces. I think Ivan Reitman did a good job corralling all of this, uh, and I think remembering to have a heart underneath all of it that you genuinely care about these guys reconciling and finding their mom and being happy. That Danny DeVito doesn't have to always treat the world like an enemy that's coming to get him. That. And I, I do kind of like the idea that everyone deserves and needs some kind of unconditional love in their life, right. even like a, a non-seducing grifter. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you, you this is great, but then at like minute 45, suddenly a hitman, Quato the hitman, shows up and yes. starts murdering people. And you're like, I... <laughs> Dressed like um, Kyle Reese. I, I, <laughs> yes, I, from the I, future. <laughs> I, every, like for the first two scenes in the movie, I'm like, where I know him. Where have I seen him? <laughs> He's been in a million things. Quaid. But like, all right, yeah. So yeah, so the, you find out in the middle that um, one of the cars that Ju- that Vincent has stolen has um, some hyper awesome jet engine in it, experimental fuel engine injection system. I, I guess yeah. something that is that looks uh, a little like the milking machine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> actually, it yes, serves the same purpose. And, yeah. and so it's to it's to cast this B plot about you know julius or yeah vincent's vincent's sins coming back to haunt him right and then i'm having to deal with them. i think we're kind of on the f plot by this point there's a lot of open threads here i just want to say that i didn't remember like i said i saw this i didn't remember that whole thing was the thing i think about the engine i didn't remember that and this time i was like it's so jarring because the rest of the movie is so saccharine Mm -hmm. and then there's like guys there's a guy doing headshots with a silenced pistol and i'm like what the fuck not a silenced well oh yeah right no that was a silenced pistol yeah the gun that he has later i was trying to figure that out because it it's like you know the way a pump action shotgun has a one slide on it this one it feels like you fold the entire gun like an accordion between shots yeah isn't isn't it feels like the world power shotgun or something it's a it 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 might be a riot control gun, but mm. it is definitely a 12 gauge pump action uh, shotgun with pistol grips. It it's looks a really, like 
the ultimate Nerf gun. It it it's it's deeply weird because it's suggested that the way it's done, because he's he's in a sniper position, right? right? He's like hundred two hundred feet away. He's two hundred feet away, <laughs> and and uh, and so the the car with the engine drives off, and you hear two shots, and Vincent goes out there, and then you cut to Quato in a sniping position with a shotgun. Yeah, he's that good. <laughs> you might as well throw golf balls if you're using slugs in that thing from that distance. Like, yeah. what? No. Like, okay, it didn't take me out of the movie. It was friggin' hilarious. And he's using it like a shotgun 10 minutes later. Right, yeah. And you don't see a rifle or nothing. It is suggested that he snipe people from, like... A rooftop. Know, a rooftop, like, two buildings away with with like a Mossberg 550 or something like that. And it's like That's just the magic of 80s action movie firearms. Is I that love they can it. they can be anything and everything and have infinite ammo and you know like and At least it was in the Pancor jacket. I always <laughs> Every time I watch this movie, I forget that there's a body count in it. It yeah. doesn't oh, yeah. seem like a movie. It's like the same thing about Kindergarten Cop too. Is you remember all of the parts that are sort of wholesome and funny? And you forget that there's dudes who get headshotted. You have to get to junior before that ends, right? That's, that's like yeah, there's, yeah, there's no there's death no in junior. junior. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting because there's always an action element mm. with Arnold, and I think those are parts that if you had cast, I don't know, another non-action star who happened to be a big physically fit guy in this role, you probably wouldn't maybe have the subplot. This might have been added to Arnold. I don't think it up. you would have the the. Uh, 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 you know, second man Olaf Stapledon evolutionary eugenics plot at all. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't have this enormous Austrian guy, mm-hmm. um, like I, I think that was tacked on to the script. I, I don't. I'm not suggesting that they had the script and then they glued Arnold Schwarzenegger to it. But like, what do we do with the fact that we have this enormously fit man in this weird twins movie? And so they, they just. All right, I guess it's 1920s time. Let's talk eugenics. Yeah, it's, and but the fact they don't do anything once this, it succeeds, they they got their perfect man. Yeah, um, and he's a huge doofus. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, he's a wonderful doofus. Yeah, no, no um, I I love that um, the explanation for Danny DeVito is that one asshole scientist, as the guy says, kind of a dickhead, mm. says we didn't expect him. Oh right. yes, and this is this is definitely one of the things that I remember from seeing it and from the first time in the movie theater is how he was the crap that was left over. Yeah, what a fucking slap of an insult! What a just like a soul shaking, uh, soul shaking thing to say to someone. And, and it like, absolutely does. You're just a, yeah. you're just a piece of shit. Yeah, and just to find out, it's like imagine that there's a secret. There's a secret answer to your life, and you've had this shitty life, and you just want to know that there's some kind of answer. And that you really do get the, oh, you're the Luke Skywalker, you know, King Arthur answer that your parents were special and that there must be some kind of explanation for why my life is. And now my life's about to get better. And you're told that you're basically leftover junk DNA. Your family. (laughs) You're right. Your family is special. You aren't. Yeah. But you're you're actually a problem. But your family is special like that. Okay, that's 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 interesting thematically. Isn't, uh, isn't this the and to get told that by a physicist in the Los Alamos Biosciences <laughs> Department? Yeah. Do we? Isn't this also the 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 plot of uh, <laughs> the plot of the Penguin's origin story in Batman Returns? Is he, also, <laughs> is he also the shit that's left over? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Abandoned. 
he's got a bad track record of parents in these movies. <laughs> but oh my god, yeah, I I think this this well, well I, I have to. There's one point that I wrote down that I have to say is that um, this is unsurprisingly for an Arnold movie. If you'd seen an Arnold movie of any of his movies the last eight or nine years before this criminals and crime is a thing. Danny DeVito is a criminal. There are loan sharks and thugs and hitmen, obviously. So there are, there are lots of different crimes depicted in this family movie. You know, you've got like grand theft auto, you've got like attempted robbery, assault, uh, you know, murder, fencing, straight straight up murder. And, but to me, uh, possibly, uh, sodomy. I don't know if you know what, what Danny DeVito is doing at the beginning there. Um, but then you get to the biggest, oh, the, 80s. the point. biggest crime of all. When they're in the country bar, they leave a three quarters full beer on the table and don't drink it. The biggest yeah. crime of all is a fucking pitcher of beer. That was probably oh, at least God. four glasses of beer. They just left it behind and went away. I do like that the dancing continues even with unconscious goons on the floor. <laughs> that's, that's realistic. Uh, no, I, I stand by that. Country bars are different places. <laughs> I, I, one thing I really love in this movie is every time you see the Clane brothers showing up for their money, they're in worse shape than the last time you saw them. Yeah. They're just an extra couple guys. Well, you got a couple guys who aren't wounded. That feels almost like a Marx Brothers skit. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's like a Buford yeah. T. Justice thing. Every oh, time, yeah. Every time he shows up, it's they're more and more pathetic. You know. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that there is a moment in this movie where the comic side villains meet the main villain. Yeah. That uh, Webster has broken into, the hitman, has broken into Danny DeVito's house and is going through his stuff. And then those dudes show up and kick in the door looking for their money. And they're like, oh, who the hell are you? And he's like, does it matter? Mm-hmm. Well, you're looking for Vincent Benedict, right? Am I him? <laughs> then it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I love that they they he's, he's ready to just walk out of there. I'm just here to feed the cat. And then he, I love this moment where the main villain is totally outclassing the comedic villains and he just humiliates them. Right. Usually you don't see your bad guys meet each other, but I love that he just- It's a moment of comedy for the main villain. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. The, the couple of the goons come to try to grab him and he shoots both of them in the legs <laughs> with silenced pistols. He says, your brother seemed to have some problem with your feet. Looks pretty <laughs> contagious. And walks out. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, so one thing- is uh, a little bit of a musical sort of interlude is because since we're talking about the bar scene mm-hmm. uh, and Becky being who she is and we're a musically, uh, Bo is also musically inclined. It's nice. from a musical family. So we stop and go, That's, I didn't remember the band. And like, the mm-hmm. band came out of nowhere. And so Becky's like, well, I'm going to look it up. And it turns out one of the guitarists is Jeff Beck. No yeah. way. Wow. And the drummer is... Terry Bozio. Jesus. Uh, who, so who, was it, were they actually playing in a band together or it was just like, we're in LA for this, you know, for shooting this uh, on the soundstage. They're on the soundtrack. We'll get, oh. They're on the soundtrack. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, you know, Terry Bozio uh, was Frank Zappa's drummer mm-hmm. in the late 70s, early 80s. Jeff Beck contains a lot of fluid. Right. Um, <laughs> this movie contains a lot of this fluid. This movie contains a lot of fluid. Not, not, not a lot of blood, though, in this movie. Lot, no. lot, there are bodily fluids, not a lot of blood in this movie. It's and, not jizz, no blood. <laughs> and the singer is a real country singer and dated Weird Al. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the the stars aligning. You if know, I dated things. Weird Al, that would be the first thing on my CV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to talk about one thing that I, I will forget about it if I didn't. At the beginning of this movie, when they introduce Vincent, yeah. Danny DeVito, he's in bed with another man's wife. 
It cuts to the outside of this house. You see him roll out the window onto the roof, slide down, and then shimmy down this this column. And then there's a hard cut to let you know you were just looking at a stunt performer. <laughs> and I was just, holy shit, I was floored. <laughs> Where in the holy fuck do you find a stuntman who can double for Danny oh, DeVito? I, I, oh, I saw the same thing. I was, I was watching it this morning. I think that they padded out his pants and his shirt. So when he's climbing down, he looks like he has that pear-shaped DeVito shape. I think it was just... Good costuming. I think maybe they could build. Maybe they built the house to one point eight scale. <laughs> <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah, that might not be a good. Because job. I'm just thinking this. If you've got a Danny DeVito style stunt man somewhere in Los Angeles, <laughs> that this dude is just like, come on, well, man. Maybe you, it's hey, like I, if you just cast this motherfucker as Wolverine, I'm made. Maybe you do. Maybe you do want like a ultra shorty st- stunt performers for kids. Like yeah. cause sometimes oh, yeah. you're gonna sometimes you're gonna have a stunt and it's gonna be like, oh, this kid's gonna be dangling off of the something. You might want to have a stunt performer that is five foot or or shorter. Mm-hmm. Right. That's probably a, th- a thing you could get. I would imagine. So I guess that gets us to our our final question. First one being is twins a good movie sam i've been saying i've been saying a lot of positive things i've been going along with with mike on this because there's a lot of good notes in this movie there's a lot of there's a lot of good parts it's like a it's like a long song that has parts you like and parts you don't care for this movie has a lot of heart it has a lot of gonads (laughs) and no brain it 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 there's so many plots cut together. It's one of those movies where I'm constantly watching it and I'm going, oh, right, that that's a part of the movie. Oh, right, I forgot there was like this weird space jet engine thing. Oh, right, we're back to the mom plot. And there's like no right. transition. Uh, the, the, the girls... Mm-hmm. Uh, whose names escaped me through the movie. Uh, Linda and Marnie. Because cause 80s movie. They just evaporate. For right. a whole, a whole, they just, they go away for a whole scene in this movie or for a whole chunk of this movie where they're, they're central, they're, they're central to the plot. They are the force that is moving the plot forward, specifically the, we get to see Arnold's O-Face plot. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh. And then great comedic shot, though, by the way, the, the slow pan across the bed yeah, and the smile on the face. Great comedic. Great. Shot. Yeah. Um, but then we go back to the to the weird guy jet engine space shit plot and they just evaporate some of the some of the comedy scenes between uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger really work. They have they're really funny. They're very emotional. But then there's like the scene in the bathroom. And we were just kind of like we were losing it at that point. And then there's the scene where they're t- where they're doing the dance scene. It's supposed to be a bit of physical physical comedy. I I was kind of I was like, okay, can we move on? And then my nephew saved it by saying, I miss Danny DeVito pissing. <laughs> and and I'm like, yeah. I hate to say it, I don't think Reichman really held it together. This is a mess of mm. a movie. It did its job. It was it was purpose built to reintroduce Arnold Schwarzenegger as somebody who could do more than murder people on screen. It did its job, mm-hmm. but that's all I can say for it. It's a transitional form to what I think is kind of the best use of Arnold as this in Kindergarten Cop, which I think yeah. I think 
anyone who has seen enough Arnold regular action Arnold movies and the comedy movies that he's done knows that Kindergarten Cop is kind of where he his ability to do comedy and his ability to sort of be this straight guy in this fish out of water scenario and also have the heart and have like the funny kids and have all this spontaneous stuff that goes around. I think that you're going to say this is the transitional form and the peak is kindergarten cop. And I think junior is, you're, you're going to think junior is probably a little higher than, than mine, but it's building up to this point when it's like, you can purpose build a movie, yes, to introduce him, introduce him, but then there's the one where he's operating at full steam. Right. And I think that's Kindergarten Cop. I, for the, for me, I enjoy it. I don't know how much of it is with nostalgia goggles. There's a lot of it that is just so unbearably goofy. Um, not, the, not the parts that have heart, but there's some of the unbearably goofy stuff with uh, with Danny DeVito, where it's kind of like uncut gems sort of thing, where it's just like, will, will you stop? Let's just stop doing this. You can easily stop you know, making these terrible choices. You can easily stop stealing cars from the parking garage with David Caruso. It's This is not in my top 10 in Arnold movies, and I have to say, I'm gonna, always going to put Kindergarten Cop above it in terms of its the quality of how well Arnold meshes with doing a comedy, a family-friendly comedy. Um, but I think it just has lots of things about it that are messy that I think makes it not a great movie, but just a good and popular movie. Okay. I think I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with you guys. Because I, I fucking adore this movie. Mm. And there is probably a certain portion of that that I could chalk up to nostalgia goggles. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. Yeah, me too. I recorded it off TV. I had a VHS tape that I had recorded, and I watched this a bunch. So that does color my perception of this movie, I think, a lot. But I, I, I'm I, kind of on the opposite end. I like how stuffed it is. Um, I think that I think they balance the elements of that movie pretty well, considering how many of them there are. Um, and we're talking about a story about complete opposite brothers that are reunited for the first time and have to learn to help each other grow. It's also a science fiction story about a government experiment. It's a romance story between two brothers and two sisters. It's a road trip movie where two brothers are trying to find their mom. Uh, It's a story about a criminal grifter trying to pay off his debt to a loan shark. It's a crime conspiracy story about a secret jet engine part. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's weird. I don't think the movie ever feels crowded. And maybe I'm a bit biased in that front. But I really enjoyed rewatching this movie, which is something I don't always say when I watch a movie for one of these shows, that I still laughed at certain parts. It wasn't just the enjoyment of seeing something for the first time in a decade. And like I mentioned before, Danny DeVito's performance is really pretty spectacular in this movie. Yeah, you you watch this for agreed. the action scenes and the acting. Like the heart, the, the yeah. uh, just the, the chemistry he has with him and Arnold Schwarzenegger, where it doesn't feel like the thing you get in a lot of movies like this, where one guy's really funny and has to cover for another guy. Yeah. You get to see Arnold bloom as a comedic actor. Sure. Indeed. And he's working with people that can elevate him, too. You're working with a director that will also highlight all the things that he's really good at and hide the things that maybe he's not so great at. He's more emotional in this movie than he had been. But I I think there's so much of this movie that is so strangely sweet. And that's the part that keeps grabbing me is like that, that moment where Arnold says to him, even when you've been bad. Hmm. just lands and I get a a little choked up at that you see Danny Hmm. DeVito's face I I give you that that's a great like Hmm. that that plot line 
was this movie. That mm-hmm. was the part I was most interested in. And I, I think that's what most audience, audiences respond yeah. to, honestly. And I yeah. want to make it clear, I don't think the movie's crowded. Yeah. I think it's... I, it's, I think it's, the movie's crowded, but that's... It's not crowded, it's right. whiplash. This, mm-hmm. needed oh, another, okay. this needed another round in the room. They needed... The writers needed to go back on this one and smooth off the sharp bits. Like... Mm-hmm have maybe make the the female characters like a little bit more integral to the plot mm-hmm. involve just don't have them be parasitic load on a road trip make them important in some way you keep all the stuff keep all the stuff it can work but it needed the minute you guys told me that this had two sets of writers on it i yeah my brain went, oh okay yeah mm-hmm. and if anything saved this movie it was not in the script. It was in the directing. It was in the acting. Mm-hmm. I yeah. get you. So I guess I guess us to the next uh, final question. Is Twins a good Arnold movie? Yeah, 100%. It's got showcases everything that's great about Arnold, gives him the chance to kick ass in certain scenes, and makes it funny when he does kick ass. Um, it's uh, it's in the pantheon. It's for sure. I mean, it's, it's golden. It really is. I can't agree. Ooh! Oh. I can't. Um... I think if you are interested in this actor, uh, this isn't this isn't like Hercules in New York. Hercules New York in New York is a movie for a, for, for a completist, right? For right. somebody who wants to say they've seen everything he's done. If you like this actor and you want to see his story, you got to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it falls off in the light of you know some of the later action comedies that he did mm-hmm. uh kindergarten cop being the most notable uh, true lies is that true lies is yeah. an action yeah. comedy yeah. uh you know those movies this one gets pushed out by those i think but mm-hmm. that's the expectation because this is a movie where this is a rebuilding phase for 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 arnold this is a he, he's like okay i've done all the beat up people movies now i want to do some movies with heart i want to spread my wings as an actor and watching him spread his wings is actually really engrossing and interesting. There are, and Danny DeVito, as usual, is just fucking great. Um, but uh, if yeah, I don't know. With, with all the other movies that he's done, and all the other movies that I've done on this podcast, uh, uh, it, it's it's right on the border of good. Mm-hmm. It's either right above or right below. It's not Hercules in New York. It's mm-hmm. not. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not Jingle All the Way. It's 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 it it has good parts. It's worth watching. I just I don't know. I I I can't I can't full I can't rec- I I can't give it to an Arnold fan. I can't give it a hearty recommendation like mm. I would for other movies. Fair enough. This is my all-time favorite role that Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever no played. No way! Really? Wow! Yes. Okay. This is, oh, I wow. like this better than Terminator. I, I, in terms of his character, yeah. I like this performance better than Predator. Or The thing I like about it is it seems the most like Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a role. This is the most of him acting. I never for once feel Arnold in the same way I feel Arnold in almost anything. I see Julius Benedict when I look at him in this movie. That there is this wonderfully naive, guileless guy who has a completely open heart, who sees everyone as a potential friend, um, who is sweet and persistent, but also somebody who's intelligent, who can take care of himself, uh, who is loving. Um, 
And like I said, there's moments where he just beams and it's infectious. Right. It's an infectious smile that he has. And like, he's probably just like me. And, and just the way he says it, and his voice breaks in a certain way. Um, I I love him in this movie. And I, I guess I'm the weird one. I guess I assume that everyone had the same ranking of the Arnold comedies that I did. I assume that everyone automatically thought this was the best one and that they could disagree on various levels of whether kindergarten cop or junior usually when you know for me i assumed everyone thought twins kindergarten cop junior Mm. i didn't realize it might go another way but i i adore this movie in a way that i'm not entirely sure i can be objective about Mm. it yeah um but it is a convincing argument like you're you're pushing you're you're making a very strong case because yeah he is acting He's really acting in this movie in a way that he doesn't have to in True Lies. I, I, yeah. I also just think, and why I say that I think this beyonds in the Pantheon, I think there are moments, there are images, like of him and Danny DeVito with the matching suits throwing their jacket over their shoulder that are so, like, that are so indelible um, and are that, that you could have that as a still in something and you would get it you'd be like oh this is this is that part of this is that part of arnold that comedy part of arnold where he did something goofy and charming at the same time that's why i think it's in the pantheon not because i think that it's the best or the best put together comedy but because i think it's iconic i think it Mm -hmm. became one of the iconic ones the question for me is not whether it's a movie you need to see if you're an arnold fan the question is is it in the canon or is it in the apocrypha Mm -hmm. and Mm. and that for, I'm, for me, it's in the canon. Okay, okay. and I'm teetering on it. I, I like I when I walked into this room, I was going to say no. It's in the apocrypha. This is something you need to see if you need to understand the context of the actor. But... I may be escalating a hot take even further, but <laughs> I think this might be top ten Arnold for me. Whoa! Really? Yeah. Wow. Man, have to, I, I, need, I need to put together my top ten. I need I to think put together. My I've top only 10. got my top yeah. five, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do that. We'll I, get to that. I do think that's his singing voice, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think if he was, I think if you were to catch him singing in the shower, I think that's what you would get. Not Don't afraid to, not afraid to be goofy as fuck. Yeah, not afraid to be. That's goofy as that's fuck. what I love about it. He's putting himself out there, and um, Ivan Reitman is saying, "No, this is great. This is endearing." All right, so. Sam Mulvey, I want to thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Sam. This I, I needed this. I, I uh, it sounds, you know, I, I it sounds like I, I didn't have a fun time. By the way, I'm talking about the movie, but I need. It's been a very busy and very rough year for me, and to be able to sit back, uh, watch a movie, take my notes, and yak uh, about with some of my best friends, I, uh, yeah, I needed that. <laughs> so, Sam, I just want to let you know. You're always going to be welcome here, okay. even, even when, when you've been bad. <laughs> Keep that in mind. So Sam Mulvey from KTQA Radio. Yeah. Uh, if people want to learn more about you and KTQA, where should they look? Uh, our website is ktqa.org. It kind of sucks. Uh, we're all on social media, uh, uh, but I'm not involved with that. If you're in the if you're in the hilltop neighborhood in Tacoma, you can tune in ninety five point three. We stream online. Um, I did a talk. I did a talk for Hackaday uh, last year. You can find that on YouTube. You should check that out. I talk about the project. Fun shit. Uh, I promise that I'm going. I, I need to finish Ask an Atheist. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, my old pro, our old project. I think we need to. I've been calling it the Viking funeral. Need yeah. Need to put a wreath on that. I right? need yeah. We we need to put it on a boat and set it on fucking fire. <laughs> yeah, is what we need to do because it, it feels like an it feels like an open task in my head. Sure, and it, it gnaws at me that I haven't been able to do it. But I think we got to wrap that up. Okay, okay. Let's, let's do that. That's yeah. TBA, TBA, yeah. right? So Sam Mulvey, thank you again. Thank you. 
And a big special thank you to our episode sponsors. Special thank you to Larry Brunswick, Margaret King, Tim Batson, Dan Neidecker, Zori Russell, Steel Wolf, Sterling Taylor, Wim the Belgian, Misa the Barbarian, Jem Newman, Carol and Dave Brulette, Calzone, Matt Weber, Kaylin, Jeff Nathan, Christopher Allen, McDowell Horn, B. Campbell, and Splurbs. Thanks, guys. Thank really you so much. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks a ton. And if you want to become an episode sponsor, please go to patreon.com slash radio versus the Martians or go to our website, podcastalavistababy.com. Click the big, big red button. And uh, other than that, folks, we will see you next month. Podcast La Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. My life just got flushed down the toilet. No, Vincent. Your life is just about to begin. I'm genetic garbage. We're twins. We're basically the same. Julius, I know this is a very touchy subject for you, but we don't look the same, we don't act the same, we don't talk the same, we don't dress the same. I know. So if we're so much the same, how come we're so goddamn different? We had six fathers. We're different parts of a lot of different people. Yeah? And don't forget, I was taken to a beautiful island. I was loved, I was protected, educated. You had nobody, Vincent. Nobody to love you, to trust you, to encourage you. I mean, all life taught you was that the only person you could count on was yourself. See, Vincent, you're the missing part of my life. And, and I'm the missing part of your life. And when we find Mama, we can feel the missing part of hers. We won't be alone anymore. We can be a, a family. A family? Yes. You mean like with a Christmas tree and Thanksgiving dinner? In the real home, where you'll always be welcome. Always? Even when you've been bad. <laughs>